Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. So today on the show, we have George Webby. George is a former police officer, air marshal, and a Marine who served in the White House. He is currently a warrior coach at UR Warrior. He's the head instructor of Lionheart Jiu-Jitsu, the head instructor of Lionheart Tactical, and the author of You Are a Warrior, Unlocking God's Potential. Most important, he's a follower of Jesus Christ, a husband, and a father. George, it's an honor to have you here today. Man, the honor's mine, dude. I'm stoked. Yes. So you are uh, probably one of the most intense guys I've ever met. Um, You know, it's amazing to me, you know, the the background that you've got, any one of those things, you've got to be fairly intense. And from that standpoint, what, what I love the most about you is you are so passionate about your faith. How did you go from this, this rough exterior to like the person that you are now? Man, you know, you know, my, my resume is long. I mean, people always say that, you know, you have, uh, you've lived a lot of lives is what they always say. And, and, and you know, you, a lot of people look at that and go like, that's kind of a point of pride for them to say something like that, or they think it would be. And to me, I kind of look at that and go, man, you just, you didn't stick with anything, you know? And, and really what it is, is it's a guy searching for himself, you know, and, and trying to find out uh, what he's made of, you know, because he's afraid he's not made of anything. And so going from one challenge to another, trying to figure out if you have what it takes to fulfill that. And once you realize you do, or you're let down a little bit about what it takes and you're like, okay, what's next? Cause you're never satisfied, you know? And it, it wasn't until uh, basically just God called out to me and, and said, Hey, you're chasing your tail. Uh, you're never going to find what you're looking for apart from me. And man, once I realized that and, and my eyes were opened, uh, it's been a completely different story. You know, I've used all those things to draw people in. It helps, it helps to draw them in. You know, God basically laid on my heart that, you know, people are going to come seeking these things from you. They're going to want to seek your knowledge, your understanding of, of this type of path. And they're going to think that they're seeking that too. And you're really going to lead them to me. That's, that's what Jesus told me. And, and, and it made perfect sense. I was like, that makes sense. Why I've had this drive to do these things was really just setting up this uh, bait, if you will. Wow. So it's bait, man. It's bait. It's a cover. <laughs> I'm really saying well, a really good cover. will have a, a, a they'll have a um, like an auto shop, you know, and people come in to, to work on their cars, but really they're getting drugs in the back. I always say they're coming to this to me for this thing, but really getting Jesus in the back, you know. <laughs> so. I love it. I love it. So from that standpoint, you you started out in these life or death situations. Mm-hmm. And, and from that standpoint, you I mean, clearly you've got a heart for service because all of those are serving roles. Uh, you know, where does that come from? And, and how did you initially get you know, headed down that path? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I'll tell you a quick story. So I was going to this church and, and for Veterans Day, they brought all the veterans up front to give them like a little trophy, you know, and, 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 and each one they came up to, they kind of ask them really the same thing. You know, you guys served your country and we want to thank you for your service. And, and the whole time as they're coming to me and I'm going to have to talk, you know, and I'm thinking, man, and these people are telling these bait, these great, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Altruistic kind of reasons why they, they did what they did. And I'm going, man, I just wanted to do, I wanted to like drive fast, shoot guns, learn how to fight, 
maybe get paid for it. You know what I mean? I'm like, and as they come to me, I'm like, are you going to tell like this bogus story? Or are you going to tell this other story? So as they got to me, so I was like, well, you got to tell the truth. And so I said, well, here's the deal, deal guys. I, I don't have some cool reason why I did this. I did it selfishly because I want to get paid to do crazy stuff and then teach me how to, I hate to say it, but it's like, I, I had a guy one time tell me, he's like, Hey man, if you're going to join the Marine Corps, there's two reasons to join the Marine Corps. One, you either want to get a job when you get out or you want to learn how to kill people. And, and at first that was kind of like a little bit knee jerk, like, Oh, you know, really? And then you start thinking about, it, you're like, it's kind of right. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. You know, if you're really honest with yourself, that's what you're doing. And I don't want to sound like some crazy person that wants to kill people, but it's like, there's a weird part of being a man. That's like, would I be able to do that? If, if I'm called upon to do that, you know what I mean? That sounds crazy. Your, your, your listeners are probably thinking I'm nuts. No, I don't think so. I yeah. think that, that deep down there is that, that, you know, carnal element in man yeah. Yeah, that, sure. you know, from the beginning of time, I mean, the, the, the sons of Adam and Eve, I mean, that happened. Yeah, that was that was sure. the first, you know, mortal sin. That uh, obviously the the first sin was in the garden. Yeah, but, I mean, it was bloodshed between two brothers. Absolutely. So and to qualify that, has that in him. Yeah, to qualify that, so I don't sound like a psycho. It's not because I want to pull back what I said. I really want to be understood. It was that I was afraid I would be too afraid to do that. That, that I wouldn't be able to do that if I needed to. Does that make sense? It's almost like, could you do that? I don't know if you could. You know, I don't think you could. I don't think you have what it takes to be able to do that if it was warranted, if it was needed. I think you would be a coward running the other way. That's like the internal voice. And so I was like, oh, really? Okay, that's what we're going to go learn how to do. We'll see. You know, it's just weird. That's the kind of relationship. I call it the relationship I have with my flesh. So, you know, some people's flesh will have them, you know, kind of tell them how good they are. Oh, you don't need that. You don't need that. And I have that too. Don't get me wrong. But mine is more of a, an antagonist of like, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be there. It's more of the shame element. You know, it's like, you're really a coward deep down. You don't, you don't measure up. And so it was like, I'll prove you wrong. And, and in doing that, you're still chasing the same thing. It's just getting, it's coming at me from a different angle, you know? So, well, so you, you find out what you're made of, you, you go through these, these service roles, you end up serving in the white house, protecting the president of the United States. What was that like? Well, that, that, uh, that story is kind of unique as well. So when I was in the Marine Corps in boot camp, you had to meet a certain criteria for, getting a background check. That was probably the toughest thing to get for, for Marines coming in because people live all kinds of lives, you know, and, and so they get into drugs and they get into different criminal activities and stuff. And, and some, they can wave away and kind of overlook and say, okay, that's just part of growing up. And then others are like, listen, dude, you can't come in. But even the people that can make it into the military, they have to have uh, people that are going to be able to pass an extensive background check. And so, and you got to see the meet a certain criteria about height and size and your occupation. And my occupation was going to be infantry. And so I had a clean background, you know, they, they saw that based on my, what I gave them coming in. And so in boot camp, they, they signed you up for this thing called Yankee White. Uh, and it's a program that you're going to go and be able to guard the president as a Marine. And it's either at Camp David, the White House or the White House Communications Agency. And you're, so you're going to be around the president with a firearm um, and you're going to be around uh, top secret materials. And so they want to be able to trust you. So I got in this process in boot camp. And so I continued to go to my schools. And what happened was, is probably about midway through my training, the doctor, the psychological doctor does the psychological battery tests. He got really deathly ill. And so a lot of us that were in the pipeline didn't get a chance to fulfill that testing, which they use the Minnesota and you get, for the listeners, they can go and look up the Minnesota. Uh, it's like a pro personality profile. It's like 900 questions. And it's crazy. It's like, if you ever had a cheeseburger and then later on, they'll ask you if you ever had a hamburger, just to kind of see where you're at and all these different weird questions. But anyway, so we didn't get a chance to do that, but they continued the background check. And so we kind of got put on hold or to go and fulfill our contract. 
So by the time I got to 8th and I, which is in Washington, D.C., the barracks in Washington, D.C., a lot of us, they kind of like, why are you guys here? You know, we, we thought we kind of sent you guys to, the, to fulfill your contracts. And then they were like, okay, you guys are not going to go and do this. We have enough. So I went to another unit. And when I was at another unit, I got meritorious promoted and I went to do a board, which is basically, you know, you go before a, a committee to see who's going to get promoted. It's a competition. And so I went to this thing. And while I was there, I went to the S4 shop, which is a fancy way of saying where they do the intelligence kind of stuff in the, in the units. And I just asked, hey, do I have a clearance? Just kind of see where I'm at. And they said, yeah, you have a top secret category one clearance and it's inactive. And I was like, ooh, you know, because those are pretty high up. It's hard to get. You know, there's only four Marines in the Marine Corps there at the White House. And so I was getting promoted to an NCO rank. And I went to my first sergeant. I was like, hey, first sergeant. I was like, I got a top secret clearance. And he goes, no, you don't. That wasn't the words he used. But uh, you get the point. And I said, no, first sergeant, I do. And I want to be a White House NCO. I just kind of threw it out there. And he was like, you can't do that. You have to have this clearance. I said, but I have it. And he goes, no, you don't. So he called down, found out I did. And lo and behold, before I know it, I'm standing before you know generals talking about how I'm not going to embarrass the Marine Corps at the White House. And next thing I knew, I was on a door. You see the Marines stand there and open the door and the president comes out. That was me. Wow. And so that was under Clinton? Clinton. Yep. Okay. Right during the, the Senate trials. So the media was always there taking pictures. So we had to you know not blink and look straight ahead. And you found a way to kind of squint. You could look around and stuff. You find little ways to make yourself uh, look like you're super disciplined when really you're just singing songs in your head. (laughs) (laughs) So now you are training men in jujitsu. That's right. And and from that standpoint, but that that's a front. Uh, So you you have that jujitsu studio, but at the same time, you're really ministering to people. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't always start out that way. You know, I wanted to be the best jujitsu coach in the world, MMA coach in the world at one time. And I had a school in Virginia and it was very self-centered. It was like, build your kingdom, uh, make people uh, be in your little clique and your fandom and your little cult, you know, and, and that comes with its own problems, you know, and then pretty soon the Lord opened my eyes. That's a pretty extensive story, but he opened my eyes to show that I was squandering the platform he gave me and the talents he gave me and the influence he gave me over people. And shortly thereafter, one of my students uh, killed themselves uh, about a week and a half after that revelation. And it sent shockwaves through my gym. And I saw in a moment's notice and that Tom was like, wow, you know, a lot of people came to me wanting to know answers, wanting to know why this would happen and why this person would do this. And, 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 and could I have any insight and where'd they go and, and things like that? Even my kids were confused. And if I hadn't come back to the Lord, that's what I, that's always how I say it. You know, if the Lord hadn't called me back to himself. I definitely would have been in a position of going like, I don't know, you guys find your own answers. But it gave me a platform to be able to answer those questions in a biblical way. And I saw the uh, impact it had on people and how comforting it was and how it was the truth for them. And, and it changed how I viewed what I did forever. And, and I knew that no matter what I do, that's got to be the back end. That's always got to be the funnel. So anything I bring in funnels them to that, you know, and so so now whatever I do, that's kind of the back end deal is that's what's going to, that's what, that's the baggage that's coming with it. You know, if you want me, the guy that's done all these cool things and has this information, you're going to get that on the back end. Otherwise you need to go look somewhere else. So there are so many men that are searching for the same things that you were searching for and, and they come in, they want to see what they're made of. They that's want right. to know, you know, do I have what it takes to do, you know, whether it's jujitsu or, or anything else. And then they, they see that this is going to be the intense instructor that they get. And they want that. That's right. And then on the back end, you're giving them Jesus, salvation, hope, love, right. grace, all these things. How, how does that, um, you know, what do they think when they, they start getting to that point? 
it's funny, you know, it's a lot of people have kind of a preset understanding of what that looks like, you know, what faith looks like, what love looks like, what a Christian man looks like. And I think it's, it's based in this, this false uh, belief in what I call cultural Christianity. And it's not my term, you know, obviously it's out there, it's popular, but I think cultural Christianity puts men in this perspective of being, I wouldn't say feminine, but it's like, you got to be nice, you know, like a nice guy, you know? And if you look at the biblical characters, not one of them is nice. I mean, not one, they're gentle. Jesus was gentle. He's good. Um, obviously, but he wasn't nice. Like nice is fake. Nice is saying, you know, one thing when really you mean something else where Jesus would say it in a kind way, but he wasn't nice about it. He wouldn't sugarcoat it. Neither would John the Baptist, neither would Elijah, neither would Elijah. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, and so, you know, you start to understand, okay, so what does this look like in a modern reality? You know, what does this look like? And so what I found was, and this was kind of an experiment, right? Because here you are, you're going to choke and arm lock people. You're going to try to squeeze their heads and do all these crazy stuff to each other. But then after you're going to try to get vulnerable. And what I found was, is that once guys get past the, Hey, everybody knows I'm a man. We just, we just basically fought, you know, we fought without punches. We, we really tried to best each other physically. And so you have respect for me. I know that you respect me because you can't not respect a guy that toes it up with you. And even if you beat, you get beat by the guy, he still respects you. And so, and then they get vulnerable and it's like, they feel free now because they've gotten past that, that, that veneer, that, that kind of fake thing that people don't get past with a, you don't get past that with everybody. It's only when you go through that, that a man respects and the man is like, you know, I'm a man because I stopped you from choking me and I tried to choke you and you stopped me. And it was like, I respect you. It's like little boys on the playground. My wife used to say all the time, how do you guys like fight? And then you guys are best friends after. I don't understand that. I was like, it's just something in a boy, a little boy fights a little boy in the parking lot or on the playground. And next thing you know, they're best friends for life. That's what it is. We're just little boys that are in adult bodies. That's all. So that's kind of it. Pretty good, uh, pretty good synopsis. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we never really grow out of that. It's just a matter of are you willing to fight somebody later on when you were, you know, you got more to lose the, the older you get in life. But right. now it's if you're getting into that situation, it's because you're defending your family, you're defending right. yourself. Uh, you you need to know to to be able to do what you need to do in the event that something happens. All right. So from that standpoint, they come in and. They they open up. You're seeing a lot of of lives change, heart change, uh, you know, people completely transformed because of the I mean, telling them the truth in love. That's right. And it's it's powerful. So what does that look like? It's, it's it has different forms for different guys. You know, not everybody's the same. You know, uh, one guy. It's funny. Jiu-Jitsu is weird. You know, it it, it kind of reads it, it finds a balance is what I always say. So if you have a guy who's kind of cocky and arrogant and he comes to a jujitsu class and he doesn't know what he's doing, obviously, and then he gets bested by a guy that looks like a banker or looks like, uh, you know, a guy he used to like bully in high school or something, maybe. And this guy bests him six ways from Sunday and he gets more humble. So his personality is real, was real kind of brazen when he when he's off the mat. It's amazing how he gets humbled on the mat. And then his personality changes off the mat to be more reflective of that balance he now has. And the opposite is also true. You'll have a guy who's very kind of, I wouldn't say mousy, but you know what I'm saying? He's, he's really kind of uh, hesitant and, and he second guesses himself. And then he slowly starts to develop his superpowers where he can he can do things to men that they can't stop him from doing, you know, and, and he starts to understand and, and see that he becomes a little bit more active. He get, becomes a little bit more assertive and aggressive on the mat. And you see that translate 
off the mat as well. You know, it's this mind body connection, not to get Eastern at all, but it really is. It's more what I call like integrity. It's more real. It's, it's, it's less kind of this weird hypocrisy where it's like, I'm fake. What I really want to be becomes who I am. It's, it's a, it's a cool thing to watch. And faith plays a great part in that because there's so many faith lessons that jujitsu teaches us. And I can actually point to them and go, okay, guys, you understand in jujitsu, this is the way, well, Hey man, it's like this too. It sounds like this. And they're like, Oh wow, that's true. Oh, that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, man, it's crazy. Stay tuned. We'll have more living life on purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with our free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. Where we are right now, you mentioned cultural Christianity, and, and I think it's a disease. I think it's a cancer in the That's body right. of Christ. Yep. Uh, cheap grace is everywhere. You know, you just keep doing what you're doing. You don't have to repent. You don't have to change your life. That's right. Uh, what are your thoughts on the gospel, quote unquote, that is being shared today versus what Jesus's words and what, what the entire Bible is actually built upon? What are your thoughts on, on what's coming out of churches today? It's, it's just a second. It's a new form of self-help. Uh, that Jesus is, is just a self-help guru. Um, you know, there, there's weird, I don't know who, I think it's John Piper, right? So John Piper uh, has this thing called a litmus test and, and I'm going to misquote it, but I'm going to tell the litmus test is pretty solid. He says, if Jesus all of a sudden came to you and said, Hey man, listen, we're, if you follow me, we're going to go to hell. You still coming? Most people are like, Whoa, no, I'm not going with you because they came to Jesus for what he can offer them, not for who he is. They, they really, he's a means to an end instead of being the end. And that's not, that's not the gospel. And so once you start to ask yourself, like, wait a second, am I coming to this because I want they see an outcome or I'm coming to this because this is the truth? It's like when Jesus said these crazy things to his disciples about you got to eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you got to leave your wife and your kids and everything to follow me. If you love them more than me, you don't love me. And, and everybody's like, what? And they're like rolled out. Hundreds of them rolled out. And he turns to his disciples and says, hey, guys, are you guys going to leave too? And then Peter says, where else are we going to go to get the words of eternal life? You're the only one. You, you're it. You're the, you're the bottom line. You're the source. And that's, I think that's what we all got to come to. And, and cultural Christianity doesn't do that. It, it's convenient to be this, man. If you right now said, hey, following Jesus, you're going to lose everything. Your house, your kids, everything. Are you still coming? Yeah. I mean, I, I tell people I'm on a bus that Jesus is driving. If that bus is on fire and it's going off a cliff, that's I'm going with my hands up like on a roller coaster. Let's go. Woo. I mean, this is the choice I made. So I'm, I'm with you, Jesus. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Wherever we go, let's go. I think that it is. It's so sad to see how many people, I mean, you look at what's going on, you know, the last year with churches being shut down, all right. this stuff. Some people still haven't gone back to church yet. They're willing to follow Jesus as long as it doesn't cost them anything. And right. that is not the truth. And, you know, the reality is when you follow him the way that he's called you to follow him, it is going to cost you everything. Right. But it's so much better than what you could have ever come up with on your own. Right. The things that you're doing now. So you were doing things following your flesh and, and following what the world said, but now you're actually leading people in a biblical way in a 
uh, Christ-centered way. And the fulfillment that you have now is so much greater because his ways are better than our ways. Absolutely. Doesn't even compare. It's not, it's not even close. It's so sad. It's so funny you say that. So like, if you don't mind this morning, I was reading, you know, I do probably like you do. And most men that, that uh, are serious, you know, they, they, they want to spend time with the Lord. You know, I, I was reading in uh, Luke 18 when, when, and Jesus basically says that because Peter said, uh, see, we have left all and followed you. And, and Jesus said, uh, surely I say to you, to your point, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children or the, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and the age to come eternal life. So there is this thing that we will receive now, and it's not going to look like what we gave up. You know what I mean? That's what the people think. They think, okay, I gave up 10 bucks. Jesus is going to give me a hundred. You know, it's like, that's not what he's talking about. He's going to give you something that's worth a billion dollars. That's not money, perhaps. And it might be money, but that's so rare. He's not going to out of one mouth say that. And then out of another say, it's hard for a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, you know, because he, he trusts his riches. It's hard to see your lack when you, you don't have lack before your eyes. You know, you have to be able to see past that. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to see that, which is impossible for man, but possible for God, because all things are. And so, yeah, man, that's what people, they're not taught this. It, it's, it's very sad. It's very sad. It, it, it breaks your heart because you see guys that struggle when they do struggle. You see guys struggle when they do struggle. And it's like, no, he's promised struggles and turmoil. And that's how you build muscle, right? You, you get stronger by putting weight on that you can't lift and you strain and, and then you kind of tear your muscles down and they get stronger. That happens spiritually too. You know, you tussle with a guy you can't best and then you then you find a way through the training to find angles and frames and techniques to get around that. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. You run into a brick wall and he shows you how he tears the wall down. I mean, it's, it's over and over again, you know, analogy after analogy, but yeah. And that's just, if you don't hit the brick wall, then how are you ever going to know these things? Oh, and I, I think that there is that because it is so much self-help today. It's, we want to make you feel good about yourself. When you leave a service, you need to feel good about okay. who you are. That's and right. the reality is, you know, Jesus did never say that our lives were going to be perfect. He said that there would be trials that, that we are going to, you know, without him, things are impossible with him. Nothing is impossible. That's right. That's and right. people want to still rely on themselves and, and stay in their comfort zone. Growth is on the outside of comfort zone. And, yes. and it is sad that, that so many pastors are just leading people down this path that doesn't lead to Christianity and it doesn't lead to following Jesus. It leads to feel good, live a worldly life. And maybe we will sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in there. And if that makes you feel good, then, you know, Hopefully that gets you to heaven. I can't really tell you that that's true gospel and it's probably not going to, but yeah. you know, our numbers look good and right. our giving looks good. And, and that's what I'll say professions of faith. You know, that's what they look, they shoot for professions of faith. We had six, we had seven, we had 12, we had 13 professions of faith. Well, you know, as well as I do, the, there's a problem with professions of faith. When Jesus says, Lord, Lord, did we not? And he goes, depart from me. I never knew you. Not like I did for a minute. And then you kind of went your own way. Like I never knew you. I don't know who you are, man. I don't know who you are. And it's like, well, how do you not know me? I made a profession of faith. Yeah, it's spooky stuff, but I think you're 100% correct. You're 100% correct. So you are a warrior. That came out earlier this year. Uh, I'm almost finished with it. I'm going to finish it up. I'm going on a flight tomorrow okay. and uh, love the book. So tell the, the listeners a little bit more about what it is and why you wrote it. Okay. So that's, it's, it's republished under a different title, right? I originally published it under a title called the Lionheart Warrior. Uh, and it really, the Lionheart Warrior was Jesus. But what I found was that 
I think speaking to the point we're kind of talking to, remember people come to me to get jujitsu and then my hope is to point them to Jesus. And so with a title like the Lionheart Warrior, you know, eh, I mean, it was cool to me, but you know how that is. It's like, it was cool to me, but then I was like, all right, I don't know what this is. Is this a fantasy novel or something? So <laughs> I decided to change, <laughs> change it to you are a warrior, which is still true. And it's you are a warrior in God and in, in, in Christ. Right. And he's the lion of Judah that makes a warrior inside your heart, lion heart warrior. Duh. Yeah. So that gets drawn together in a book. So back to the point. So I published it two years ago in 2019, I believe it came out um, and it did okay. And, and it wasn't really a sales issue it was there was some things I didn't like in it. There was some anecdotal stories I wanted to add to it. And so it was kind of like my first attempt at it and how that happened is I was going at the time a year prior, I was uh, attending a prayer and fasting uh, thing, 21 day event. And I decided to, in conjunction with that 21 day event of prayer and fasting, it was taking place every morning at five for me, every about six, because I have to teach class at six uh, a.m. So I decided to read through the book of Ephesians every day. You know, I'm going to read cover to cover all six chapters every day. And so on day 17, the Lord opened my eyes to the truths of what's in the book based in Ephesians. Now, it's not a commentary on Ephesians. I'll leave that to scholars. I even said in the book, you know, I'm not a scholar, but but I took the information based in conjunction with what I saw it was teaching and my life. And on day 18, I started writing the book of that 21 day event. So I continued to read Ephesians cover to cover and I continued to write. And my thing was, is that I'm not a writer. Uh, I didn't do very well in school in English. And you can probably tell that when you read the book, hopefully the, the message comes through the, the, the typos and the, and the grammatical mistakes. But uh, ultimately, um, you know, I decided to read the book of Ephesians cover to cover every time I wrote. So if I wrote every day, I read it every day. And I did write every day. I don't care if I wrote three sentences, if I, I had to read that. So I took the 15, 20 minutes to do that. And so what I found is over the course of a year, I'd read it, man, over 500 times. Cause it was sometimes I would write in the morning, write in the evening. And I always read it again. And I found that these insights started coming and it was reinforced what I said. And, and so I'd slowly write and have to go back and rewrite. And, and I just found that Man, almost everything we need to know, I know is in the entire Bible, but Ephesians is like a war manual for living your life. And that really is my interpretation of applying the principles of Ephesians to the war in spiritual warfare of this book. And that's what it, that's what it's about, is how to live your life in spiritual warfare. It's not just, I feel possessed in this area or this, that. It's like how to take the fight to the enemy, uh, bearing the name of, of Christ for his kingdom. So isn't it amazing what happens that the supernatural revelation that comes to you when you actually read the word of God and not just read it, mm. you know, just to check a box, but read it with a hunger. Lord, I want you to speak to me. Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to know deeper insights into your heart and into your mind, into the things of the heavenly realms, the, the supernatural versus just, you know, well, I think it's in the Bible somewhere. I've never read it, but uh, yes. I think that the Bible is a pretty good book. You know, the pastor, he he talked about this verse on Sunday. And, and I, I remember this one growing up. Read the word of God. It right. is amazing. That's the right. things that are in there and the things that he will speak to you, the things that he will reveal to you when you truly go after him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, it's incredible. Incredible. And so I've never read if he, I mean, I've read Ephesians, I've read the whole Bible all the way through a handful of times, but, but reading that. So you're reading it twice a day until you finish the book over 500 times. That is remarkable. And, and every time I have it, something you think I, have it I didn't, you know, I always joke with people. You think that I'd have this thing memorized, but I, <laughs> I didn't. I even now read it. And I'm still like, 
wow, that's crazy. I didn't see that. It's, it's amazing how God, only God's word could do that. Anything else I would have read by that, I definitely would have it memorized, but it has such an ability to, to speak to our inner man and speak to the, the man that he's making us into and, and, and technically already made us into because he talks about in eternity past in, in the first two chapters about how this has already been done. And so you, you got like, wow, you know, just trying to understand. Uh, I had a guy say that it's, it's almost like there's a record that's, that's been, already been spun and we're getting a chance to listen to it and react to it. And so it's like, yeah. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. But it changed how I viewed scripture. When I did that, you know, you, we used to do Bible studies where you'd read a verse here and then, and then this one's related. And this guy said that this one's related too. And so you kind of, you kind of do this hop, skip and a jump to some kind of understanding in scripture. And so what I did is I was like, you know what, I'm going to throw chapter and verse out, you know, not completely. It was added, you know, in the middle ages or whatever, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out and I'm just going to read these large chunks of scripture. And I started doing these studies and I'm doing one now called the Hebrews challenge that I do on my Facebook uh, uh, page. But it's like, read these large chunks of scripture and let it speak and don't stop where the, the interpreters had put their little kind of uh, headers in there. Go past those, go past those and uh, see what comes up next. You know what I mean? And you're amazed at how this crossover understanding kind of blows your mind at this truth. And you're like, wait a second, this, this passage that gets taken out of context, not always in a bad way, don't get me wrong, but it's like, man, there's more to it than that. There's more to it, man. We, you got to go to the chapter prior to really understand what that verse is actually talking about, especially Jesus' stories, you know? And I, so I took it to Mark. I took it to Romans. I took it to Hebrews. I took it to all the, uh, the, the Paul's letters. And, and I started seeing this common theme about it's all saying one big thing. And these are little chunks. And so what do we do as Christians? We pick this one out. We pick this one out. We call it cafeteria Christianity. I'll, I'll take a little bit of that, a little bit of that. I like the, ooh, I don't like the taste of that one. I'll put that one back. And that's what ends up happening. Uh, I do think that we're in a time and a season where men especially need to lead the way that God has called them to lead in their homes, in their businesses, in, in all aspects of their lives. And they need to be equipped with the word of God, not just, you know, a little snippet here and there. They need to know what it all says, because if you do like this one little piece over here, but you've disregarded all of this over here, it's really hard to you know, truly walk in who he's called you to be. And, and I think there's a lot of people that are walking around that have no idea that, that they're not even on the path of Christianity because they just heard a little snippet and, and it made them feel good, but it wasn't a you know, true in-depth study of, of all of the, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the reality is, you know, a lot of people, they just want the New Testament because it's new covenant, there's grace, there's Jesus. And, and so we've got salvation, but you can't appreciate the New Testament without the Old Testament. Right. You can't truly understand grace without knowing what the Levitical law looked like, Absolutely. where you were never good enough. Absolutely. You know, I don't own cattle. I don't own sheep. I don't own things to sacrifice to God that would have been necessary, like all day, every day, That's right. living the lives that we live now. And thankfully, we don't have to do that now because the lamb was slain, which was Jesus. That's right. But if you don't fully appreciate what he did, that's right. Then, I mean, what's the point? And right. there are a lot of people that are walking around that don't get the point. Absolutely. I mean, how do you know you need a savior if you don't understand the nature of sin? What is he saving you from exactly? You know what I mean? It's like that's that's what people miss. And, and I'm not saying you go and you beat people over the head with their sin. Nobody's saying that, but sometimes that's necessary. Some people need to hear that. I know that I probably need to hear that. And it would have made me mad. It would have, and I, I, I'm speaking that lightly. It would have made me mad. And it was only until, 
you know, my wife had brought to my attention that my daughters were wanting, uh, you know, Bibles for Easter, which Easter to us was, you know, candy and dresses and things at that time. And I was like, what, where's this coming from? And I wasn't offended. You know I mean? I wasn't offended, but at the same time I was like, Hey, who are they talking to? You know, this doesn't just come out of nowhere. My understanding of scripture that I grew up with was like only the Lord calls you. And so if they're not talking to some kid who's trying to prompt them into some kind of cultic church at school, then if this comes out of nowhere, there is no coming out of nowhere. And at that moment, the Lord opened my eyes to say, Hey man, you know, you had promised me when you were a young man that you were going to raise your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord when you're going to church, you know, well, you're not doing that. So I'm going to go around you, dude. And I'm like, Oh, Lord message received. No, I will change right now. And it was just this crazy eye-opening experience. And, and the first thing I did was get up that next morning and read the word of God, because I remember Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God that proceeds out of the mouth of God, every word, not some of them, not only the newer ones, every word. And he was talking about the old Testament when he said that he was writing as he spoke the new Testament, right at that time. But so any, any reference to, to reading the God, the word of God and scripture in the new Testament, most likely is talking about the old Testament. There may have been a few, you know, scholars would tell you, there may be a few Pauline letters or, or different kind of, um, you know, uh, traditional uh, sayings and creeds that might existed. But other than that, it was really the old Testament. And so for us to turn our back on that is, is wrong. I mean, you're, you're in violation of what Jesus said when he was confronted with the devil in the desert. So that's not, that's not smart mojo. No, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that it is extremely important that people equip themselves with the word, that they understand that there is that grace, there is that salvation, there sure. is that hope, there is that love. But at the same time, you got to know what it's all about and, you know, not beating people up over who they are, but, but realizing, hey, if I've got a problem, I do need to change that problem. I can't just continue in this right. path. Uh, like me, I was a selfish jerk. And then I thankfully had heart transformation in 2016. Prior to that, like, I just thought I could keep being the same person that I was and just, you know, maybe go a little bit deeper with Jesus. I had to change everything. And, and I'm thankful that I did because, I mean, my, my marriage was transformed, who I am as a husband, a father, you know, a business person, everything. It was all transformed. You, know, you can't lead properly if you don't know what Jesus says in how to live all aspects of your life. That's right. And so I, I do think that it's, it's really important. Well, George, it's been an honor to have you here today. And uh, I know that this has really encouraged me. And, and I know that it's going to encourage the other people that are listening. How can people find out more about you or, or how can they get the book? Yeah. So you can go on Amazon and get it. I mean, pretty much anywhere books are sold. You got to order it online. Obviously it's not being carried in, in bookstores just because the distribution costs money, but the, um, you can go to urwarrior.com and that's got a direct link to the Amazon account. And we're going to do more stuff on urwarrior.com. And if you're on Facebook, uh, you are warrior as well. The, um, the Facebook fan page, you are warrior. Okay. Excellent, sir. Well, we certainly awesome, I loved it. it. It was great. All right. Well, I've definitely enjoyed it. And we hope that, that you all enjoyed it as well. If you did, please like and share this video with your friends. There are plenty of people that are out there that need encouragement and they need to be challenged, especially men. So living life on purpose on Facebook and then living life on purpose always on Instagram. And thanks for listening. And we will catch you in a couple of weeks.